Last Sunday, we went through the passage of chapter 3 in Malachi. God, in that passage, put his arm around us, and what did he do? As a loving father, he explained to us, his children, who we were as his children, who he was as Lord and God Almighty, and how we were to honor one another with the resources that were in our hand, with the money at our disposal. He had, he had to, to tell us some things. And it wasn't necessarily an easy conversation. But we learned again and had to acknowledge in this conversation that everything we have from our life and breath to our gifts, our talents, our strengths, our opportunities, even our connections, all those things, all those good gifts, they came from God. None of those good gifts originated in us. They were actually bestowed and given to us. And then what would we do with them? And not to mention the fact that it was Jesus, God himself, who paid through his precious blood and through his son's death to deliver us from the penalty of sin, which was our own death. So God has given us so much. God has been so generous to us. And he's also tried to teach us some things about generosity. We learned as believers that 100% of what we have belonged to God. Yet what does God do? He trusts in generosity. He trusts us to manage and says, you go ahead and manage 90% of what you have. But 10% of it, put me first in your heart. Put me first in your life. Put me first in your finances by giving me a tithe. 10% of your income. And he says, as you do that, it's an act of worship to me. And you are showing me, too, which I want you to show yourself that you're not following the God of money, the idol of money. You're not. So to tithe is to worship me, right? But if you withhold this tithe, this 10%, you're robbing me. You're actually a thief who is stealing from me. And you're dishonoring me. And you know what? No matter how much I love you, I can't bless you because you won't allow me to bless you. You won't allow me. You won't step into my blessing. So we have to remember then in that message that you and I, that God shared through the, the prophet Malachi, he shared that tough message out of love. He, he shared that tough message out of the desire to bless us to save us from the bondage of stingy and disobedient giving and from living wrong. So whether, though, we tithe or we still struggle with tithing, even this morning after that message, and we heard it last week, we can be confident of this. If you're God's child, he loves you. That'll never change. He does love you. He is committed to you. He is for you. You need to know that. His love will never change. I made that example of the fact that even though my brother did what he did with his life, even though some of my sisters did what they did with their lives, nevertheless, my mother loved him, and her love never changed. Right? Now, their actions created consequences that created change. Right? Because what happens are our actions matter, don't they? And the consequences that come from those actions really do matter, too. And they make a difference. But God's love doesn't change. So once again, 
when I gave my life to Christ, I came to be a part of the church, you know, I realized once again that my mother, you know, you know that little book, Everything I, I Need to Know About Life, I learned in kindergarten? I can pretty much say everything I need to learn from life, I learned from my mother. It's almost that way. Because we were so close, and she, she was so good as a teacher and as an example. And she wasn't a believer at the time. But she taught me a lot about money and about how to use money and how to give money. And she did it through our family business. And she showed me so much about how to honor God and Christ and bless others with finances and resources. She did that before she even knew Christ. And when she came to Christ, she understood it in a way she didn't before. So she would always say some things to me growing up. We'd be working in the business, and she'd go, you know, Kelly, we weren't farmers, but we understood this. You have to sow a seed or plant a seed to get a harvest. Do you understand that? Have you all heard that? Got to plant a seed to get a harvest. We all know that. Every seed has the potential of what? 30 to 100% or many times over to produce and harvest if you sow that seed. If you don't, it's just a single seed. But if you plant it, you reap a harvest. She'd also say this, remember, you gotta spend money to make money. How many of you ever heard that from your parents? There we go. You got to spend money to make money. Tell yourself that. You don't like that concept though, I can tell you this, emotionally. You want to be able to spend less and get more, don't you? Say amen. <laughs> you don't want to spend money to make money, but you've got to. You've got to become comfortable with that. You have to spend money to make money. You know what she'd also say? You have to give generously if you want to receive generously. A garden that waters is graciously watered. So you've got to pour it out if you want it to be poured in. And so if you want to generously receive, you've got to generously give. And I want you to know something, that these parameters, these guidelines, these rules, these laws of the universe, they continue to be true. Mom understood how money and resources and opportunities work. And because of it, she could live in a blessing that <coughs> I'll just say other family members could. Let's just say and leave it at that. She also taught us that we were to use our money and resources. They, our money and resources, were not to use us. We were to use them. They were not to use us. So you don't work for them. They work for you. And it's important to keep that, that, that clarity in your relationship with money. So in her way, she was protecting us from becoming an, uh, an auto-worshiper, to bowing down to money and serving and hoarding our money so that we could have security against the ups and downs of life. Isn't that what happens when money becomes a god? You begin to look to it for your comfort and your protection. Think about that even this morning. You know if you're doing that. You know how you feel. I just got to save a little more and then I'll be comfortable. I've just got to make a little more and then I'm going to be okay and I can trust God with this. Well, you need to tell yourself if you're thinking like that, it's already becoming an idol. It's already becoming an idol. Money was to be used in service of higher things. 
to meet real needs, yes, but to help and to bless others beyond practical needs, to grow a greater harvest for future goals and blessings. And mom would always say, it's not whether you can afford it, it's whether it's right. <coughs> Did you hear me? That's pretty remarkable to hear a non-believer say stuff like that. <coughs> you don't give because you can afford it. You give if it's right. And the rest takes care of itself. I love that. I love that. Where'd she get it? And then she would say, but remember, all these blessings can only happen if you let it go. You've got to let go of your money. You've got to use it. You've got to spend it. You've got to give it. You've got to sow it. That's where those blessings come from. They all lie in that area, but you've got to let it go. So I found myself in my whole of my life, even after I came to Christ, I came back so many times and said, Mom was right. Mom was right. Isn't that what she always said? <laughs> Mom's always right. Well, she is. She was in that instance. Every generous giver knows these things are true. They know they're true. They live in these things. But I'm here to tell you this morning, as we discussed last week, remember what we found with our statistics? Some people say only 5% of those who attend church give a tithe. I don't believe that's necessarily that narrow. But some will say that. But others will say it's actually more like 75% of Christians don't give a tithe. They don't understand these things about finances. They don't understand the training wheels of giving. Do you realize that tithing is the training wheels of giving? It's the place you start with God in worship and in giving. It's not generous giving, which we're going to talk about today. That's a whole other step beyond. And Tithing was where we began in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it never gets rid of tithing, but what it does is it expands it. It increases it from giving a tenth. Now you're to give generously. That means well beyond that. To serve God, to worship him, to follow him. And so, yeah, answer that for me, would you please? Thank you. Um, I love those kind of bells, though, I have to admit. So that's the nicest bell ring. Thank you. But so many people don't seem to know this yet. When Paul wrote his second letter to the Corinthian church, he realized that this church excelled in many areas, but it lagged in the area of giving and being generous. And this is what he wrote in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 7. He said this, But since you excel in everything, church in Corinth, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete eagerness, and in, and in love, <coughs> and in the love we have kindled in you. See to it that you also excel in the grace of giving. He exhorted them, see to it. Why? Because they weren't excelling in the grace of giving. They're obviously not generous in their giving. And Paul was saying, excel in this as well. This is so important. Paul didn't want just their behavior to change. He wanted their hearts and their minds to change. He wanted them to be free from the idol of money. He wanted them to experience the blessings of handling and giving money in the truth. And he wanted them to know the truth about what generous givers know. 
And so he wrote this passage to him. And if you've got a Bible, I want you to read it with me. We're going to read only about five verses. <clears throat> and in these five verses, it creates and contains really a foundation for you and me on giving in the New Testament and for our lives. So I want you to hear God's word, starting in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, Paul says, he who supplies seed to the sower, that would be God, and bread for food, that would be God, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And it goes on to even more blessings there. But what a great little passage. In that passage, what we discover is there are two parameters for giving, right? But then there are also two benefits that are really important that we get from giving. If we give within the parameters. So let's talk about those parameters. And what's the first one? It's really basic, right? Give generously. That should be the mantra for your giving as a New Testament believer. Give generously. Give generously. That is, according to Scripture, more than 10%. We are to give generously. Do we give the church all of that? Not necessarily. We bring the first fruits, the tithe, into the storehouse. That's the church. But then we can decide, where does God want this other to go? He may want it to go to the church. He may want it to go somewhere else. But we are to give. So God's will for you and me is to give our money generously to people, to projects, to ministries that he's given us the opportunity to give to. And he uses this farming metaphor. Whoever sows or gives or invests sparingly will reap and harvest sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You've got to decide in your own heart. It's up to you how and where you give, but it should be generous. It should be generous. It doesn't matter how much you make. You don't have to make a lot. The widow put in her two pennies, right? And Jesus said she gave more than everyone else. So it's not about everyone giving equal. It's everyone having equal sacrifice and faith. It's being generous. Two pennies to a widow is generous. But to you and I, it may not be. So it's not always the same. We are to be generous. Jesus told us this in Luke 638 give and it will be given to you so he's telling you you give as I've called you to and it will be given to you who will give it to you God will give it to you a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap <coughs> it won't just be stingy it will be an abundant giving back 
For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The measure you use, what you decide, you have the choice. Oh, why would we choose to give, not give generously, if it's going to be poured into our lap? Come on. I don't jump into my shower and hope that my shower head just trickles. Come on. It's like I'm in Nicaragua taking showers, you know? It had this little shower head and one little stream that came to get really get it going, man. And it took like, you know, 30 minutes to take a shower because you didn't have hardly any water flow. No. When I get shower heads at my house, you ask my kids, I take out every stopper and anything that impedes water flow. Because I wanted to be, because it's wonderful to be under a shower head that flows big. I want a big measure. You want a big measure. Our insecure humanness in the world tells us to give, that if we give something, <coughs> it's gonna be, we're going to be left with less if I give. But you know that science here, farming, logic, the laws of the universe, and God himself tells you to give and to sow generously of your money, your resources, your gifts, and in the end, you will garner a generous return many times greater than what you had originally invested. That's what the scripture said. Now, when God was talking about tithing in Malachi, what did he say three times? I am God Almighty. I can do what I say I'm going to do and what I promise I'm going to do. Now, will you trust me? And that's really the crux, isn't it? Will we trust him and act like him and give like him? Man, I hope you're getting inspired to do that. I'm hoping. Because on the other side of things, wow, to hoard our money, to hoard what we have, to not give it out, to give it out sparingly, that's to suffer loss. We're going to lose even what we have. Isn't that sad? Nobody wants to live that way. Nobody wants to experience life that way. So we've got to to choose then to, by faith, trust God and join him. See, he said, I am God Almighty. And because he gave it three times in Malachi, we know he, he gave that title to himself. And he told them that three times because he was giving credibility to his instructions on finance. You can trust my promises. You can trust my wisdom. Become someone who gives as generously as possible. Become like me. That's what Jesus was like. So if you want a parameter for your giving, there's your first one, give generously. Number two, in the New Testament, it says, here's the number two parameter, give cheerfully. And that's a cool one. And I'm indebted to Pastor Darrell Dash's commentary on this point because he gives some good thoughts as I go and share and talk in this area. But Paul wrote in verse 7, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know, but I would think it's pretty cool to know that the God of the universe is tickled by how you give. And he loves it. That means he knows you. That means he... He wants to, to bless you. He wants to give you good things. You would think that it would be enough just to give generously, right? But it's not. You just can't give generously. Paul wants us to give cheerfully as well. We've got to give cheerfully. 
<clears throat> Everyone should give the amount they decide in their own heart. And what they give is what they and the Holy Spirit and God have decided. It's not for public decision or display. It's not to be flaunted. We're to give what we decide, what God and us decide. So no matter how much you decide to give, even if you're giving generously, there are kind of two things that this passage said should not be your motive. They should not be your motives in giving. And here's the first of these two. It should, your giving should never be motivated by sad feelings. It should never be motivated by sad feelings. The word reluctantly refers to distress or sadness in, in contrast to happy giving. So whatever we give should not be motivated by negative feelings. You know, <coughs> oh, I should do this, I should give this. Well, yeah, if you can be happy about it. But if you can't, don't give it. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Get that attitude right. Well, here's the second attitude that we're not to have. It shouldn't be motivated by external pressure. We've been... We've been there, haven't we? When you're feeling pressured to give what you're not prepared or willing to give. We should not be motivated, our giving should not be motivated by external pressure. Even between a husband and wife. Sometimes Jody and I have chosen to give and we want to give generously, but her idea of generosity and mine can be two different things, right? We can have two different numbers and ideas. And early on in our marriage, Jody used to really bully me emotionally into giving what she wanted me to give. Actually, it was the other way around. And what I discovered is she just said that, you know, uh, you think that's just right. And we, uh, but you know what? I don't feel comfortable with that. And aren't we supposed to do this together? And I go, well, you're right. And I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was, I was doing that. And so that gift could not be blessed because one person... In, is feeling negative feelings, and the other one is elated, right? And so we had to get that right. External pressure, you know, man, since I've, I started speaking on giving, the last two Sundays tithe have been through the roof. I hope you're not giving because of external pressure. You understand? I don't mind there being a little external something, because we all have to be taught and to grow. And we all need to be spurred on to love and good deeds. But it's got to be more than that. Right? It's not blessed unless it's cheerful. Unless, and unless you've decided to do it. And you want to do it. It's not blessed. So God doesn't want us to give out of guilt or pressure. How should we give then? Deuteronomy 15.10 tells us this. You shall give to God him freely. And your heart shall be not be grudgingly grudging when you give to him. Because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. God loves a cheerful giver. So Paul teaches us that these are two ways we can fail at our giving. Even though we give generously, but not joyfully, we fail. But if we give joyfully, but not generously, we fail. God wants us to give at the intersection of generosity and joy. He wants generosity. He wants joy, too. And he wants us to be cheerful as we're also obedient. That's what the Lord desires. So now you have the two parameters of giving in the New Testament. That's what the Lord expects. 
That's what God expects. Generous, cheerful. And yet, there are some benefits that come to you that are promised in the scripture. And I just want you to catch the first benefit. God will give you, he's promised in that scripture we read, he will give you what you need to continue to be generous. There you go. God has promised. I will give you what you need. If you give generously and cheerfully in obedience to me, I will give you what you need to continue to be generous. Verses 8 through 11, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And then it says he'll enrich you in every way. Don't you remember what Anne Frank said? No one has ever become poor by giving. Say amen to that. See, there's no way. You know why there's no way? Because the scripture's telling you, you can't outgive me. I'm not a man that I would lie. If you trust me and you give according to my direction and guidance, I will give you what you need to continue to be generous. I love that. I love that. It gets tested every time in our lives, though, at every season of our lives. It's tested. And we have to, again, see God's goodness. But then when he shows up, we see his goodness. We're blessed by it. Uh, Jody and I have lived at times when life has been very lean. And we barely had the money to make it to the next paycheck. I know some of you were there. We lived at other times when the times are abundant. And, and we have what we need and we can make it. And it's good. But we are experiencing a time of leanness <coughs> with the Lord. And uh, we literally had nothing left in the bank account. I don't know if you've ever been there. That's kind of a wild place to be. Some people go, yeah. I mean... When you really don't have any more money, and you're just going to have to start taking things out of your house and selling them to get money, to do whatever, to fill your gas tank or to whatever. And, and it had come to that, and we'd been seeking the Lord, and the Lord had been saying, trust me. Uh, but we had been seeking him. And we had just resigned our position at a larger church in our city. And we had gotten into the year, and then our medical insurance tripled or quadrupled, something like that. And that's what kind of put us into a bit of a tailspin. And uh, there we were. But God said, trust me. And my parents were coming. Now, I don't know. My relationship wasn't such that I could ask for money. Okay? Let's just leave it there. So they were coming. And they are going to show up that night for dinner. And Joe goes, Kelly, we're going to have dinner. I can get dinner. But there's nothing. <laughs> and I go, I know. What are we going to do? We're going to trust God. Because the Lord has said trust them. And so we prayed and said, Lord, please bless them. God, please, man, if, if possible, cause all this other stuff that we're eating tonight to turn into snack food for tomorrow and breakfast and yada, yada. Because we don't know what we're going to do. And so they were coming. So yeah, indeed, my parents came. And we're just sitting down to dinner. And a knock came at my door. <laughs> and I opened the door and I see a guy... I noticed him, older gentleman and his wife, and they had been at the church that we had been at before, but we weren't really close. I go, okay, so what are you doing here? I go, hey, my, my parents are here. We're just about to sit down for dinner. And he goes, oh, come on out, come on out. 
And then he began to explain to me, he goes, we've been praying. And we, we are, God's been laying you on our heart for a while. And he goes, I just wanted to, you to know that we're praying for you and that we're ready to, to help and support you in any way you might need because we believe that God wants us to encourage you. And by the way, here's a check. Lord bless you for whatever you need. Oh. Woo! We would have ran right then to cast that check and put it in our bank account had we been able to, but it was too late. We sure did the first thing the next morning. And we prayed with them and thanked them, and they became friends, and friends for life. And, um, and we were able to then make it. Because God said, I can supply. You want to bless your parents? Your, your father and your stepmother and be generous to them? I'm going to provide for you to be generous to them. And God did. I can't tell you, I have experienced, and we've had to experience those things a number of times, just so that we would understand it's good to trust God and give generously and to keep doing it even when you feel you don't have it. When you and I give generously and cheerfully, we benefit, I'm telling you, every time. We have given, I, I started out in the church as a high school student, I'm an old fart right now, and I'm here to tell you, uh, it's worth it to be a generous giver. You can't ever outgive God. And I'm so thankful to live this way rather than to live the other way. I'm here to tell you, it's, it's good. And, and D.A. Carson said, God is no one's debtor. He bestows all kinds of heart gifts on people who give. He's going to give to you. God gives generous people more because he wants them to keep giving more. God gives generous churches more so that they can continue to keep giving more. I'm going to tell you a secret, little church, Live Oaks Community Church. You don't know this, but of the 40-some, almost 50 churches in our state, we have almost throughout the life of our church never ceased to be within the top five giving churches at all times. And we are in the top three for the last 10, 15 years. We're this little old church. And people praise the Lord for you. They praise the Lord because of your generosity and giving. They praise the Lord because of what God is doing here. Churches are planted. Disciples are made. Leaders are developed and ordained. Things happen because of our giving. Because God gives generous churches, just like he does generous people. And that's where we want to be. God is good at it. Number two, one more benefit. See, I'm, I, I can't get in this too much because I get too zealous about it. So if you're not quite there as a giver, be cool. That's all right. I'm good with you. But take the next step. Praise the Lord. Here's the second benefit. And this is a longer one because I get verbose sometimes. God will use your giving to bless others to promote grace within his family and to increase awareness of his generosity to all. I'm not going to read it, <coughs> but if you were to read verses 12 through 15, you'll find out that what happened is this giving kept going and kept moving. And it ended up in other people coming to Christ, other people praising the Lord, 
other ministries going forward. Because that's what happens when we give. God uses our giving to bless others. Beyond us. God promotes grace within his family way beyond us. And God increases awareness of his generosity and his, and his, his willingness to give to all as he does that. He does do that. Are you living in that? Or have you never scratched the surface of that? Are you living in that? You need to. It's great. It's wonderful to live in that. I want you to experience this, what we experience. I want everyone in this church to experience it. I want you to become a generous, cheerful giver so that you're, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessing to others. That's what I want. I don't want you to be a person who's so sparingly. I don't want you to be a penny pincher, stingy person who doesn't experience anything in the kingdom. I want you to experience generosity. I want you to. And experience blessing. I want you to experience the exhilaration of cheerful generosity. Just as these disciples did. And as the New Testament calls us to. If you have Jesus, you don't need anything more to start. Just come to the Lord. You have everything you need to be generous and a, and a generous, cheerful giver. So you've got to start. But you've got to start. And there's so many different places to start, to give. If you're not tithing, then tithe. That's the training wheels place to start. Start and tell the Lord, I'm sorry, I haven't trusted you with this. But I'm going to give you a tithe of my income. I don't care how small it is. Do it. And then build from there. Start with tithing. Then begin to, 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 to grow beyond that and say, how can I be generous? And how can I be cheerful? We are, there's so many opportunities. We have our community service. That's an opportunity to give. We have ministries within the church. You can give. Be generous with your gifts. If you have an ability to, to serve in a certain way and minister, be generous with it. And be willing to use it wherever it can be used. As God leads you, be generous. But then we have this thing that you heard us talk about this morning called Faith Promise. It's a little adventure that we have as a church embarked on for the last umpteen years. All it is, you don't even have to be a part of it if you don't want to. But if you'd like to be a part of it, if you'd like to come to God and say, Lord, what would you give through me if I would let you? That sounds fun to me. I remember we had one person at church who goes, I want God to give a million dollars through me. And you know what I said? I want him to do it too. <laughs> Did God ever give a million dollars through him? No. But he just wanted that. And I said, well, see, the Lord doesn't want to give a million bucks through you. So that's cool. And we probably wouldn't know what to do with a million bucks if he gave it to us. But we, we would now. I'm here to tell you. So if you want to, we would now. Right? But it sounds fun. But not everybody's there. And that's okay. But you come to the Lord and you say, this year, man, Lord, if, if, if I would trust you, if I would be willing to pass on those gifts you give me, what would you want to give? And you ask the Lord to tell you. Sometimes he might tell you. I remember I first started Faith Promise. It was 400 bucks. I thought that was the biggest thing in the world. Giving 400 bucks over and above my tithe. Oh my gosh, that's going to be wild. I had that done within the next two months. 
as the year started. And then I go, well, now what? I had to set another faith promise. And then that one I met too. And now what? Well, I set another faith promise. Because the Lord wanted to do more than what I knew he wanted to do. So the Lord may tell you 500. He might tell you 5,000. He might tell you more. You know? And you trust him. You hear from him. You listen to him. And then as he gives you that number, you begin to look for the opportunities. How does God want you to join him in seeing that number be brought in to the kingdom and be brought into the offering for a faith promise? How does he want to, want to use you to bring it? And these, the monies that come in, we've used them for missions. We've used them for missional things like we've talked about. There are so many things that we need to do that we get to do to glorify the Lord. Do you know even the opportunity that we have to keep this tool up and running and functioning gives glory to God? Our neighbors often remark about what we've done to our property. People that come are able to enjoy it and use it. Ministries are able to enjoy and use it. People that we employ and work, they're blessed and their families are blessed as well because we employ them at work. So even though we do practical things within a church ministry building, that has, it's every bit as important as a ministry that we would do to the poor or on missions or to Sunday school or to our children, our youth, or our older folks. All of it matters. And we try to put funds toward all those things. So what I'm saying is there's a lot to give to. There's a lot that we're trusting God for this next year. There's a lot we want to see happen. But we know that as we choose to trust the Lord in New Testament giving, as we choose to follow him, we're going to know what generous givers know, that God takes care of business. And you can never outgive him. And as you give to him, he gives more. And people are blessed. And ministries go forward. And God is glorified. That's a future I want to live in and be a part of. Amen? I do. I want to see that go forward. I want to see you be a part of that. So if you can stand with me this morning, let's close, the work, let's close our, our time in prayer. And then I want to invite you also to go out and take a look at your faith promise sheet. Read it. Talk about it. If you've got questions, ask us about it. And uh, fill it out as, as the Lord leads you. Amen? And we'll do it together. Because you know what we find? That regardless of whether we have a program or not, God still does what he wants to do as we trust him, as we pray over it, as we take steps of faith. He provides. And uh, so thank the Lord for that. He's gracious. Amen. Lord, <coughs> we are so blessed by your goodness this morning. We are so blessed by the truths that we've learned in your word about giving. Help us to live within these parameters, God, to give generously and cheerfully. And then help us, Lord, to know that you will always provide what we need to continue to be generous. And you will always, Lord, <clears throat> you'll use our giving to, to bless others, to promote grace, and to increase, God, your kingdom and the awareness of your presence and your presence of generosity to all. And so, Father, use us. Help us to step out in faith. And, uh, and, and really take the next step as givers, Lord, to your glory. 
Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. We pray, Father, too, this morning, that you would be with all of our, our church people that are traveling, that um, are gone on vacation or at weddings or whatever it may be. God, we thank you for the opportunity that they have to get away. Lord, watch over them and keep them. Keep us all safe while we're on the roads or in the air. Keep us safe as we get away with our families. Bless us with renewal and rest. And then, God, bring us together for worship and effective ministry this summer. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. So we just give you the glory, Lord, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen. Amen. Amen.